I have my AC on again, so should I turn it off? Can you hear it? I don't know. It's, like, it's kind of loud. Yeah, it is pretty loud. But it's like 90 degrees outside, so. Womp womp. It's like 100 here, so suck it. No. I do. I was looking at, though, like the difference between the weather here and the weather in Zion, and it's like the highs are the same, but the, the lows in Zion were like almost 10 degrees colder. Like it's... Mm. Even when it's 100, it was still, like, 59 at night. But here it's only getting down to, like, 70. Yeah. Which, like, doesn't provide the same, like, oh, I'm stepping outside in the morning and it's cold. Which is, like, a nice feeling for me. So I don't get the, I don't have that anymore. Yeah. Damn, those places, your places suck. Mine was only 71 degrees today. It's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. It's not a dry heat here. So I don't have that experience yeah. anymore. <laughs> well i'm gonna go find out for a ball in two yeah. days i'm gonna go visit two days visit you yeah okay. thursday what day is okay. today monday yeah today's monday i'm gonna go we already have a bunch of climbs lined up and we're gonna do some hiking what's your climb for? yosemite falls oh nice uh like climb it like climb climb like with yeah the like the falls, gear are, that I've only placed the falls are still running though that's fine okay we're doing a route to the right of the falls. It's like right to the right of the okay, falls. Okay, yeah, it I know. Ends up at the top of the okay. falls and on some pools. We're not actually going up yeah. the falls. Yeah, there is a route that goes up the falls, but people, I think people have trouble finding it. My friend said, but then also, yeah, it has to be like basically like totally dry because it's like right in the line of the water. Yeah. But um, what's your permit for? Like, is it a wilderness like overnight permit? We got the day use permit, so we have to leave okay. the valley. We have to come in and out. So Thursday yeah. night, we're driving up be there probably later thursday and then to uh, friday and saturday and spend all day okay well if you need to like you can camp in my driveway <laughs> yeah we're going to okay <laughs> cool either that or we're finding some national forest right outside yeah there's not a ton like i every i feel like every other national park i visit has is pretty good about having spots like that but there's like not a lot here like the van lifers and the RVers straight up just like park along the side of the road, like right outside the park entrance. Um, yeah. And it's like, there's not a lot of like, there's no like tucked away roads you can drive down. It kind of sucks. Yep. And there's always just people but, parked on that. What's that Greek sounding national forest? Uh, Stanislaus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I go to work at seven, there's just like RVs like everywhere. Cause the park has been like, the park service kind of like owns this land, even though it's in the national forest, but like this is all employee housing. So it's kind of like a weird in between, but they've put up all these signs in like, in all the kind of tucked away pullouts, they've put up like no, no overnight parking, no camping signs. So I don't, yeah, everyone in their van just parks like right along the highway now. <laughs> Sucks. But anyway, that's cool. You're going to come. Should we record in person so. and then like make Jordan really jealous? Yeah. You can't possibly make me jealous. Well, I'm going to make him jealous when I take you butcher son. Okay. When you what? When I take her butcher son. Oh, mm. yeah. That'll make me jealous. And then you climbing with yeah. Kay will make me jealous because I want to climb with Kay. Also, my birthday is on <laughs> is, is next Monday. And we were talking about, I don't think we're going to do this, but we were talking about maybe making like a day trip to the bay because I really just want to go to butcher son. <laughs> and also just like, just like a way to day trip somewhere. But I don't know. We went to Fresno today and like town day, I always get really excited for it, but then it just makes me really fucking anxious. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend my birthday, like driving like three hours to the Bay just to like eat some vegan food and like be really anxious the whole time. So yeah, I'll just take you some. You don't have yeah, to do just do that. Work. That's easier. That's Coronavirus funny. is over. Why are you anxious? That's true. Um, <laughs> it actually like, 
I'm less anxious now because like everywhere is requiring a mask inside. Whereas like used to be on more Fresno runs, it was like only Trader Joe's would actually require people to wear masks. Um, but like I went to REI today to return some shit. My fucking water filter that broke. And like we went to Whole Foods and then Vons and like everywhere everyone was wearing a mask. So I was like, I actually feel better now than I did like back in March when like only I was wearing a mask like a loser. That's the whitest day trip out- outing <laughs> to REI and Whole Foods. Yeah. Well that's like what that's like the big city stuff that we don't have here. Like we have a we can get to a Vons in like an hour. Usually we'll do that. But then yeah, we just like wanted trader joe's and then he wanted whole foods but then there's some stuff that doesn't make sense to get at those places so we had to make a third stop that's what yeah. that's why uh flagstaff is the white outdoors mecca because the trader joe's and the whole foods are and the uh rei are right near each other yeah i remember oh. that from flag i like yeah. Flag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah the place is rad yeah we almost moved there a little too pricey yeah and then i would never be able to visit jordan because i'm never going to arizona again yeah, flag is <laughs> like the coolest part, part of Arizona, though. Is like there's pine trees and it's like cool and it snows there. It is pretty. I was there in the winter and it was really pretty. Mm-hmm. Not in Flagstaff, but Grand Canyon, but it was still really pretty. Yeah, yeah but Arizona is basically a fascist pilot state. Damn, son, where'd you find this? My All right, Jordan, you want to talk about your, your past <laughs> couple weeks? Yeah, uh, sure. We have to be we have to be very careful about this. This can yeah. be a group therapy session. Well, I was at a um, protest in Albuquerque. Um, it, we were protesting a uh, racist statue. That's the new that's the new hot shit is to <laughs> try to get statues taken down in your city. Um, this one is of this um, Spanish conquistador, uh, Oñate. I didn't honestly know that much about it. I went to, beforehand, they did this kind of cool vigil thing that was led by indigenous peoples. And it was in the park nearby. And they, uh, yeah, they talked about how bad of a guy this dude was. He um, he was such a piece of shit that the Spanish king had to like punish him. Like his own troops like wrote letters back to the king and they were like, Hey, this guy's, I know we're supposed to be like killing all the Indians here and stuff, but this guy's like doing it too harsh. <laughs> so Damn. he basically did like a mass genocide on a whole Pueblo, uh, killed like thousands of people. And the people that he took prisoner, he cut all of their right feet off. I don't know why that because he was a piece of What's shit. What's he like celebrated for in some circles? Um, I guess, yeah, um, kind of bringing, like, westernizing this kind of region, like the New Mexico Territory at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the first to come in and put in, like, missions and Spanish civilization kind of shit. Yeah. Um, So to the people that kind of, like, 
like him or the same type of people that think that Columbus discovered America, even though you can't really discover a place that has thousands and thousands of people there already. Um, they think that he kind of like started the whole Southwest basically, or at least the New Mexico area. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was actually like banished from the um, colony because he was so brutal, even to the, to the colonists. Um, but then like similar to how justice is served out now, things haven't changed that much. He just like went, he was banished to Mexico city for a little while. And then he moved back to Spain and became some high ranking official for the King there. So he wasn't like actually punished or anything. <laughs> he was just kicked out of <laughs> the colony he was running. But anyway, the, um, the, the vigil was really moving. There was a lot of like older people. So the statue is only like 25 years old. Um, and the, the indigenous peoples in the area have been uh, protesting it since before it even went up when the city was just talking about putting it in. They were already um, making petitions and trying to get it like not erected. They, the city formed some kind of like a small uh, like council kind of thing with some tribal leaders from a few different tribes, some Latino people in the community and even a couple white people on it. And they all agreed that the statue shouldn't shouldn't go in. And then the city still put it in anyway. <laughs> then ever since then, the ind- indigenous people have been trying to get it removed. And in, in all of Albuquerque, there's only one park with an indigenous name. It's uh, Tigawex Park. And the statue is right outside of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's across the street at the Albuquerque History Museum. So, like, they've always seen this as kind of like an extra insulting statue, considering how hard they worked to not get it put in and then where it's placed um, right across the street from the only park that's named after one of their words. That's so fucked up. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to go into too much detail about why that's offensive and um, the work that they've done to try to get it removed. I think we're working on maybe getting some guests from from some indigenous activist groups. So we'll we'll let them speak to that. But basically... After this vigil, everyone went across the street, or not everyone, a lot of the younger people went across the street to do a protest at the actual statue. And once we got over there, there were these guys from a group called the New Mexico New Mexico Civil Guard. Um, they're a white nationalist militia group. Um, I think SPLC has classified them a hate group, but the FBI hasn't yet. Uh, SPLC is the Southern Poverty Law Center. For anyone that doesn't know, that's a you should give money to them and read their shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were there. They were armed to the teeth. They had twelve uh, gauge shotguns and AR-15s and a bunch of handguns. They say they were there to protect the statue, which to some degree they probably were, but they were clearly there to stir shit up as well. People asked them to leave. People yelled at them to leave. Nobody wanted them there, and. It was just a super weird tense scene because like it was clear that they wanted to start some shit and they were all armed. And it was really weird because every protest that I've been to, there's like cops everywhere. Like if you look at the end of any block, there's a bunch of cop cars. And this one, there wasn't. (laughs) There was like these four guys that had just tons and tons of guns. And they all had like white nationalist tattoos and shit too. And three percenter patches on their body armor and all this shit. They were like full on cosplayed out. <laughs> um, yeah, straight up militia LARPers. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they've been at a couple protests before trying to start trouble. And but they the protests have been a lot bigger. This group was probably under a hundred people. Uh and they were so like they were being a lot more aggressive. They were like trying to get between us and the statue and like getting up and standing next to the people that were speaking like really menacingly. Um, it was just a shitty scene and it was like so weird that there was like zero police presence after like some speeches were giving and some given and some people were like kind of riled up. There was a couple little scuffles even where like, like kind of push somebody and then people pushed back and then people got them like separated and the group kind of like self-regulated that way. That happened a couple of times. And then someone busted out um, a chain and a rope and the protesters started to work on pulling the statue down. And that's when they started getting really agitated. And there was a guy that was dressed kind of more in civilian clothes. And he, someone noticed that he had a gun and a pepper spray in his pocket. Um, and I think he had like a concealed gun. And I think a shirt came up and they saw it. And so people started pointing at him and yelling that like, well, at first I think people thought he was a cop. So people were yelling that he was a cop um and we told him to like leave and people kind of like pushed him away when i say push him away and not like with their hands people were real like protesters were really careful not to put hands on people they were like hands up and like blocking people with their bodies kind of at one point i like stood between some people and a guy with a gun out which was like extremely frightening but it like <laughs> honestly didn't think about it that much but so like it was like super fucking weird that like once again like the cops were nowhere to be found and there's like people threatening us with guns and like when we're peacefully protesting, there's cops everywhere, but now all of a sudden there's not any. And there, there, it seems like the reasoning was either that they knew that there was an armed protester and they didn't want to mess with them or just were working sort of in conjunction with them and were just like, let the militia deal with them instead. Yeah, there's been some like weird photos circulating around and some video of um, Albuquerque Police Department like talking with some of these militia guys in front of yeah. some of the MMA gyms where they hang out. Uh, <laughs> So, like, there's there's this whole, like, it's pretty clear that, like, a lot of the police are either, like, in these militias or they're friendly to them. Actually, it's come out later, like, you know, a lot of people listen to the police scanners during these protests. Um, some of the BLM people do and stuff. And I guess they were, the police were referring to the armed militia guys as armed friendlies the whole time. There was some work so being they done. They were aware. Get... They were aware. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were totally aware. <laughs> It wasn't um, there's like, no oh. way they wouldn't have been aware from, of this. Like, like I said, there's been police yeah. presence at every protest. And people were um, calling, the calling the cops, right? Uh, I don't think any other, I didn't see any of the protesters calling the cops. Um, but there is a substation like half a block away from there. That, that That's a manned substation. And then the, the main downtown police office, like the big like six story building that houses all the police for Albuquerque, like all the desk work and shit is like four blocks from where we were. So there's no way the cops weren't aware. Um, we'll get more into that in a second. But um, so yeah, there was this guy that was like, people thought he was an undercover cop and then it turned out he wasn't. They were trying to get him to leave. He kind of walked away for a second and he came back and he started grabbing, particularly every time he grabbed a very small woman uh, three different times and threw them all the way to the ground. The third time he did this, uh, she fell backwards and she hit her head really hard on the sidewalk. And that's when some of the protesters started getting more aggressive with him and pushing him away. 
there's video of a guy um, hitting him with a skateboard that if you read any articles and read the comments on this, there's going to be a bunch of chubs talking about how this is the reason things got bad. But if you watch the video, this guy barely hits him with a skateboard and he's just trying to get him to stop throwing women on the ground. And, and remember at this point, we knew he had a gun because someone had seen it. The protesters, after like pushing him and like getting him to go away, he starts to walk away. Um, but then at that point, people were asking him to stay because they're going to call the cops and report him for the assault on the women and for having the weapons. Um, and that's when the guy kind of starts to run away. A protester tackles him. And then that's when he pulled his firearm on the protester and he shot him four times in the back. Or he shot Jeez. three times in the back. He fired four rounds towards the crowd. So if any of those misses could have hit any of us. Luckily, the other militia guys didn't open fire or anything. Um, it's come out later that, that the guy that shot somebody supposedly wasn't with the militia guys. He was just kind of like an independent actor. But they were the whole time like talking with him and protecting him once once he shot. Also, somewhere in there, he pepper sprayed a woman um, right before he shot the other guy. Uh, I wasn't 100% sure of the order of everything happening because I didn't... Uh, I saw some of it, but I didn't see the actual gunfire or the pepper spray. Once I heard the gunfire, I ran towards it to see what was going on, and the guy was laying in the middle of the street bleeding. Luckily, I think he's going to be okay. He's been in the ICU for since it happened, which is like a week ago. Um, but it seems like he's going to recover fine. The police showed up maybe a minute or two later in full riot gear with their like urban assault vehicles that look like giant Batmobiles. Um, <laughs> it's like the first time in my life I've been like happy to see the police show up because I thought they were going to like kick these militia guys' asses for once instead of protesters. But nope, they shot uh, at us with rubber bullets and tear gas um, after we had I'm just been close. shot at by militia. So yeah, so they showed up and they had their clubs already out and in full riot gear. And they like marched military formation style towards us. Didn't tell us what was going on or anything. Were just threatening to hit us with sticks. They kind of like pushed us to a side of the street and were yelling at us. And then... Um, eventually they yeah shot tear gas at us and shot a couple protesters with rubber bullets shot some flashbangs off I heard what was maybe a rubber bullet fly right past my head and like it was never violent on the protesters side there was no clashes with the police nobody was throwing things at them anything like that um, the only communication to us at one point was one of the cops yelled that they're trying to clear the crime scene so they end up arresting all the the militia guys. They found 20 guns that were all theirs. Holy shit. On four people? <laughs> On four guys, yeah. What the hell? That's terrifying. Um, or maybe it was five with the guy that wasn't with them. Anyway, yeah. it was four or five guys, and they had 20 guns and several knives and stuff. Which, I mean, you're not there to protect a statue at that point. You're trying to, like, create some sort of weird fucking cosplay battle in your head. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so eventually, like, Everybody went home. Uh, the mayor took the statue down the next morning. So <laughs> nice. it, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a shame somebody had to get shot for something that the, you know, the indigenous peoples have been trying to get taken care of for years. Yeah, something that should have never been put up in the first fucking place. Yeah, exactly. And guess what? If it was never put up, none of these rednecks would even give a shit about Onyate. 
Yeah, none of them. <laughs> I'm guessing if you hadn't heard of this guy before, none of them had even heard of him. Right. Unless I don't imagine like Oñate has a lot of stands out there. Like I don't think so. Although there is it. a weird culture about it in the Southwest. I've found out, uh, just found out recently because of all this stuff that there's this weird like Hispanic supremacy thing that goes on here, where like Latino people that think they're from Spanish descent or like more strongly from Spanish descent than indigenous descent can have like this weird supremacy thing going on. They think they're like descended from the colonizers and they have this belief that like they came and civilized the Southwest. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So yeah, that's a whole that a lot. It, it is. Yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole weird thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't want to speak to that too much because I don't know much about it. I've kind of just learned that that's a new a thing recently since moving here. Once the police report was filed, we found out that he, uh, yeah, apparently wasn't with that militia group. He was an independent guy. We found out he was the son of a former sheriff of the county, which was the first thing he said when the cops showed up was on huh. the son of <laughs> my dad's a sheriff. My dad's a sheriff. Let me go. <laughs> Yeah, he, um, the the militia guys got let go the same night. They didn't even spend a night in jail. And we found out, yeah, this guy had, he didn't have a concealed carry permit. So he had his firearm illegally. But the police report was super fucky. Like it never said that, it said they recovered 20 firearms, but it didn't say who they belonged to. The way it was written made it seem like some of them were recovered from protesters, but that's not true. Uh, no protesters were armed. They didn't interview any witnesses they tear gassed us and said um so the police report was super weird and vague so immediately on twitter started people people started compiling videos of the incident and were able to like string together a cohesive timeline of it you know with no like weird interruptions or anything and you can see exactly how things go down you see him throw the women on the ground you see that, that that's what the protesters are reacting to that he's assaulting people and they're trying to stop it like fast forward a couple of days and over the course of this week, charges have been dropped against him left and right. They they're saying that it's self-defense because somebody hit him with a skateboard, which is eerily similar to the whole like Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman thing where it's like somebody is like harassing you with a gun and then you like show some sign of like struggle to fight back and then they shoot you. And now they're it's them claiming self-defense. Yeah, people were doing with the uh, uh, doing that with Ahmad Arbery too. Yeah, and then now they're saying that they're dropping the aggravated battery charges, which is what they were trying to charge him with for throwing the women on the ground, which there's tons of video evidence of. But the judge says that there was no witness testimony taken at the time, which once again that didn't happen because the police showed up with billy clubs out and then tear grassed us almost immediately. Um, they didn't attempt to take any witness statements. There's the judges like no witnesses came forward. We were all right there and totally would have given statements if <laughs> if it was offered to us as a possibility. I mean, and the cops are like they their presence wasn't there, but they were around. Like you said, they showed up. Well, like so it turns out there was an undercover cop in the crowd. Yeah, and this is super fucked up because he's obviously covering for the guy because he his story doesn't add up at all. There's pieces in there that he mentions seeing, and then he says he was away from the the gunshots. But what he describes seeing happened right next to where the gunshots were. So, like, he's just straight up lying in his police report. 
I don't know. I don't know enough about law to know if like this guy's gonna walk. Um, he's out of jail right now because because of the aggregated battery charges being dropped. I guess that means that he's able to post bail because he's not um, he's not on trial for violent crimes anymore. I guess it's just for the concealed carry violation, maybe. But it's looking like the guy is going to get off or like get off with a slap on the wrist. The biggest lesson, I guess, to all of this is that like everything that you might have suspected as an activist on the left, that the police are working against us. They don't have our best interests at heart. Um, They're siding with these right wing militias. Um, That's all true. Like you can't rely on them for anything. They're not there to protect you. They'll hurt you if they get a chance to, whether that's through negligence or through actively trying to tear gas and shoot rubber bullets at you. So we're on our own. Their response so quickly indicates that they were just waiting. They Obviously, it was on their radar and they were even prepared to respond because they knew they were going to have to eventually. And they were mm-hmm. just there waiting. Like, it doesn't take a minute to respond to something if you guys were all just actually, like, you know, in your offices or in your separate squad cars. There was probably... 50 police officers there in like under three minutes with the whole armored vehicles and full SWAT gear. So they were already geared up at this point, obviously. Um, There was like a city bus that pulled Like I didn't see it happen, but a city bus pulled up and they all rolled off of that. And I guess that was parked just around the corner the whole time. So they were all just in there waiting for something to happen. There was an article that just came out uh, recently. I think it was um, actually today. And it talked about the police gave their reasoning for not showing up earlier or not being there sooner or not have sent blocking off the militia was because they didn't want to like be a presence and disrupt the, the protesters. Um, and so they're using like the excuse that a lot of people have been making about like every time the police interferes that protest, that's when protests kind of go off when they, they become quote unquote violent and, because of the police intrusion. So they're using that ostensibly as the excuse for not intervening sooner. But I mean, the reality is that like they, they don't give a shit about that. Like they very well gladly will instigate stuff, but you know, when it comes, they wanted the our militia probably to take care of them themselves. Yeah. Or they were it, just in collusion with them. That's the only possible answer because the police mess with protests all the time. Yeah. Like, all over this the one instance happens to be the yeah. very first time where the police actually like <laughs> do the right thing and don't try to fuck with the protesters. And I'll have to say the police in Albuquerque have been doing a pretty good job at not like um, actively provoking protesters, um, especially when there's large groups of us. They do this thing where when we're marching, they go a block ahead of us and they all set up there. And as soon as we get like you know, half a block away, they all pull around the block and they go the next block up. So they're always staying kind of far from us. That's because the Albuquerque Police Department has a history of violence that's so bad that the Department of Justice had to step in. (laughs) Um, And if there's too many more complaints against them, they will um, absolutely defund themselves. (laughs) They will lose any federal support. Um, So they're being really careful not to, you know, tarnish the record. They're on thin ice already. They've like murdered a bunch of homeless people, right? Oh yeah, they've just straight up gunned down homeless people. Um, and a lot of people with mental illness just get killed by the police here. Um, but yeah, they weren't doing this at this protest. They weren't half a block away, blocking off cars and monitoring everybody. They were hidden in a van waiting for a protester to get shot, apparently. And it's a miracle that the other militia guys didn't just open fire on everybody. 
they were taken down pretty quickly, right? Like, yeah, they they actually um, stood down themselves. They were pointing their guns at us, um, like very military style. Yeah. Um, they were mostly protecting the guy that shot that shot one of us. Um, like it was clear that the crowd was ready to tear that guy apart. Um, and they kind of were protecting him and waiting. They knew the cops were going to show up at that point. By the way, when the cops arrested those guys, I didn't see them put a knee on any of their necks or anything like that, or even say anything mean to them. Yeah, these armed assholes. Yeah. Well, they probably knew them. Yeah, they probably. Yeah, they probably. Like, go to the oh, same hey, meeting. bud. Yeah, they go to the same meetings. Yeah, their their wives are like friends. They have barbecues in each other's backyard. Yeah, they they barbecue a big cross. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's basically that. Um, the only other like kind of new news I have on that that may or may not be related is there's been a string of hate crimes in Albuquerque and Santa Fe since then. Um, especially since this guy, it's pretty clear this guy's going to get off, um, which I have to feel like is empowering some of these these white supremacist groups. There's been some swastika and white power graffiti showing up around the university, which didn't used to be a problem. And then last night, an Indian restaurant in Santa Fe was totally ransacked. And there was graffiti all over the walls that said the N-word and ISIS and go back home and just totally wrecked this um, Indian restaurant. Goddamn, that's open. Yeah, I'm going to, um, that that story just came out and I'm sure there's going to be a GoFundMe or something for that that restaurant, which is awesome people. I just found out that they... um, they make homeless care packages like at least once a week, sometimes more and distribute them from their restaurant. And those were all staged and ready to go as well. And those meals were all destroyed by the white supremacists. Um, So fuck you. If you think that like these people are trying to protect society in some way, which I've heard is that they're like protecting these statues and windows and all this stuff. They're destroying things. They're, I hate the thought of them caring about protecting statues because they're not like, they're not like historians or <laughs> like, you know, no, like they're people just who are really passionate <laughs> about protecting yeah. history. It's like, since yeah. when do you give a shit about protecting history? You're just protecting like the white supremacist ideology. Like you don't give a shit exactly. about the thing and you never, ha- you never have. Yeah. It's just totally an excuse to, to arm up and go face off with some protesters and hope that shit goes off. Yeah. I mean, I've been really pleased like this week that a lot of, um, like historical society society sort of like there's these like professional organizations for like art historians and architectural historians and a lot of people have made um a lot of these institutions have made statements this week official statements in support of taking down racist statues it's like it's just like a big fuck you to all the people who are like but it'll ruin our history because like all the people who are actually professional historians and who like are the people who really give um you know objects and statues a lot of assign them a lot of meaning are the those are the same people who are like no no it's fine like <laughs> we're not yeah. gonna forget history like you can take down the offensive fucking statue like we don't need it trust yeah. us you the, know? the wikipedia article is gonna stay up <laughs> yeah like it, it's okay we'll remember even if it's yeah. like i read i mean i read one um one guy had offered advice for like what to do with them even if they are kind of even if we consider them important as like historic artifacts, like if you think it was made by, you know, a well-known artist or whatever, if for some reason the artifact has importance outside of just like the racist ideology it stands for, then there's ways to like 
you know, move it into a self-reflective context, like move it into like um, a museum that's going to call attention to its problematic nature or like move it into a park where that's kind of a narrative, not where it could be celebrated, but where we can kind of be reflecting on that history and like what acknowledging the periods of U.S. history that enabled people to erect statues like that. Um, like they don't have to be completely destroyed. We can still learn from them, um, but it's not. Yeah, it, nothing's going to really be lost if we take down racist statues from prominent places. And this one's like not even like historically important, right? Like this is it's like yeah. twenty years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, the sculptor, um, when he found out that the indigenous people were so offended by it, um, said that he wants it taken down. Yeah, that's fucked up then to not honor that wish. Yeah, um, I mean, the, fucked up to indig- not honor all those. But. Yeah, what the one of the guys at the vigil beforehand was saying that what he's the petition he's trying to get passed is to have it melted down and turned into a public toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I realized I didn't finish saying was that um, when we find out the Go- a GoFundMe for this restaurant, we'll make sure to tweet it out and post it on Instagram. Yeah, we have a Twitter now. Yeah, yeah. So I want any. We'll see how long that lasts because I'm running. I'm running the Twitter, and I assume that yeah, it's going to get taken down already. pretty quick. I'm surprised it hasn't already. Like your first few tweets are already. Keep it going. How are you doing though? How are you? Like I know, like watching someone being in that situation is like incredibly fucked up. Um, yeah, it has been fucked up. Um, I've been around guns a lot, and I've been in. I've lived in neighborhoods where there's been. Uh, gunfire a lot and i've been really close to it but that's the first time i've ever been that close to someone actually getting shot um so it really yeah that freaked me out for sure i'm still like um even just like talking about it just now my my heart was racing a bit um i'm not a very anxious person like i don't usually get anxiety and this is i've just been getting little waves of it um, and the other thing I've been afraid of is retaliation because I'm at all these protests. Um, there's a lot of like videos and photos like floating around that you can see me in the background of and stuff. And um, yeah, these militia guys are vindictive. They're pieces of shit. And I I kind of work in a public place like downtown. A lot of people see me and know me and stuff. Hmm. Um, so that's been... Like, for, like today, the news was at my at the coffee shop I work at interviewing the owner. And I like felt a ton of anxiety every time like the camera got pointed at me because it's like, oh, the, now people are going to know where I work. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of time to process it all, all the way. But just like the fact that I was standing between these guys with their guns and other protesters. And then like 10 minutes later, they shot somebody. It's like, holy shit, that was like real. Because uh, in my head, it was like, I kept telling myself, like, these guys are pussies. They're not actually going to shoot anybody. They would have done it by now if they were going to. Right. Um, and that's why I, like, didn't feel a lot of fear standing between them. Because um, I just felt like they were cowards. But um, I guess it didn't click for me until, like, after somebody got shot that, like, cowards shoot people. <laughs> like, when they feel backed against the corner, that's mm-hmm. what they do they don't know when to just walk away from a situation or something. They act like frightened little children and they lash out. And that specifically was where those guys were going there. They wanted to be put in that situation. Yeah. That's their fantasy, right? Is to kill somebody. It's mm-hmm. super, super clear that that's like what they're, they gets them hard. Yep. 
Um, but like to feel like they're doing it for a just and like noble cause or like prote- yeah. in a protection way. Like they're not, they don't want to feel like the aggressor. They want to feel like totally justified morally. Yeah. One thing that was super cool is there was a guy there that was a veteran and came from a line of like, you know, four generations of ve- veterans. And he was like yelling at them to go home and that they're not <laughs> soldiers and that they probably weren't in the army and they probably had bone spurs like their stupid president. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one, when you sent us the picture, I mean, you were like, you were like live texting the group chat as this was going down, but you were like, oh, there's these like fucking vigilante dickheads with, you know, assault rifles and shit. And like the one dude is wearing like all camo. He like, and it says NMCG. It looks like, I thought it was like a Coast Guard thing. Like it looks like a very, he's in his total military garb. Like, I don't yeah. know. To an untrained eye like me, like I would see that person and be like, that's an enlisted soldier, like 100%. He's like yeah. head to toe camo. You know, he's got the fucking sunglasses and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's stolen valor that, which isn't really a concept that I give a shit about, but I know <laughs> these guys do and they're fucking doing it. Like they're dressing up like soldiers to try to get respect. And yeah. I don't think any of them were actually in the military even. Yeah. They're just a bunch of Dale Gribbles. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're safe. I think we're, we're going to say you're glad you're safe. And yeah. at least. Yeah. It it does really scare me that these guys feel like they have free reign now and they can just yeah. like, they're, they know the cops aren't going to fuck with them. And if they do, they're going to end up on their side when all the cards are down. Yeah. And that's exactly what these assholes want is people to be afraid of them and people not want to protest and not be out there because of these kinds of situations. And I yeah. think as, as terrifying as it is, I know it's it's still very important to still be protesting to still be out there and still be standing up for, against these things so it's, one thing i'm really interested to see and then we can get on some actual outdoors topics because i know i know <laughs> this is very loosely related um you were outside when it was happening so. <laughs> it's true it was outside and uh you're in a public space i'm really curious to see so this guy uh, ran for public office a few years ago the shooter so he's got like some personal information that's public record um i'm not i'm not saying somebody should dox him but if they do <laughs> release his information i wouldn't be surprised if there were some protests right outside his house like what they're doing to mitch mcconnell right now um the no justice no sleep mm-hmm. uh protests where they're making sure that nobody gets any sleep that lives near <laughs> this person um but i'm really curious to see if the cops protect this guy if because they haven't done shit to protect us protesters against these new mexico civil civil guard people but i'd be really curious if they have his house surrounded and they're protecting him so tbd on that one yeah i'm gonna guess the odds are are really high that they do that they yeah exactly especially since he's a sheriff's kid Mm -hmm. yeah is he still with his dad i don't know if he still is with his dad one (laughs) thing that's funny is he's he's already He's our age and he looks like he's like 45 because I'm guessing he eats a diet of like pure beef jerky and pork rinds. <laughs> he stands outside in his full camo gear with us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about, let's talk about some outdoorsy stuff. Do you want to talk about um, some good news or bad news? Good. Good Please. news now. Uh, Great American Outdoors Act. Uh, yeah. Something. Had on the had on the list the running tab of things to talk about eventually, um, and something I actually had heard about ages ago from actually the PCTA 
uh, the Great Outdoors Act was introduced in the Senate and it actually passed. Um, it was passed in the Senate 73 to 25. Had a lot of actually bipartisan support, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's basically, it's the bill. Um, it's passed in the Senate. It hasn't passed in the House yet, but it has two parts. The first part is that it provides around $9.5 billion over the next five years to help the National Park Service um, and a bunch of other federal land management agencies um, address their maintenance backlogs. So basically do all those repairs and stuff that's been needed to do for a while. And then the other half of it is that it mandates that the Land and Water Conservation Fund, um, so that's like the biggest uh, funding tool for outdoor recreation, and it funds a ton of um, different counties, um, agencies, and gives them a lot of funding. Um, It's going to be financed to uh, about $900 million annually. So that's a maximum that it can be allowed to be financed, um, which has only reached ever twice before. So the goal is that it would be permanently financed to that maximum amount so that it can actually have more funding to actually provide funding to other counties, to other areas, to actually build up some of these outdoor spaces. Thanks, Trump. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, It's really weird because when this passed, because I heard about this before and I was like, there's no fucking way this passes ever. Like, there's no way that this is going to get any kind of bipartisan support, like, especially given how much Trump has just utterly destroyed the environment and has pulled back on a lot of these different issues, like wanted to, on the latest budget, actually cut back a lot of the budgets for like the National Park Service and the uh, Forest Service. And now it's going to get more funding than it's pretty much ever had. Like, it's weird and i don't trust it i'm trying to like i'm think, looking into this I mean, to see what, what's wrong the main with thing is that it's an election year and yeah. a lot of the people who have been most actively in support of it are people who are at risk of losing their positions and i think as we talked about before like everybody likes the parks like it's not really a divisive issue yeah. at least the parks so to give people something that like everyone's going to be psyched about and like no one's really going to be I mean, there are 25 people who said no to this, but I think probably just because they thought it was too much money. Like, I don't think anyone is like, no, like the parks don't need any money. I think it's yeah. just an easy way to get support in an election year for a lot of these people who have um, precarious positions right now. But I will say like, there's kind of a lot of concern that, um, so this 9.5 billion, it, it, the bill is expected to pass in the house, but um, if and when it does pass, it'll it'll provide this 9.5 billion over the next five years. But people are worried that, um, Congress is going to use this as an excuse to cut the Park Service's like baseline functioning budget over the next five years. Um, so this is meant to supplement that yearly budget, but mm-hmm. there is some concern that um, you know some people are going to think it's too much and that we don't need it all, and um, they're going to slash our budget. Also, like nine and a half billion sounds like a lot. It is a lot. At only like I think five is going to the Park Service, um, but. The, the estimated backlog was like 11 or 12 billion. <laughs> so it's like, it's not everything that we had asked for. I mean, it is still a victory, but um, I think people are getting really psyched about it and they should be because it's it's great that it we can do some backlog, but it's not everything that we wanted or asked for. It's just kind of like a hush money. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we'll still take it and run. But I mean, one thing to keep in mind, and I think this really speaks to it, is that um, Trump started a trend in the Republican Party. Um, He started it and a lot of other Republicans are jumping onto this trend because they're seeing how successful it is. Um, He's not really conservative. Um, He's a populist. And Nadia, you said it, like the, the national parks are extremely popular. Everybody loves them on both sides of the aisle. So it's not that surprising that he would pass something like this because it's like 
it's a grand slam from a populist perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It, he's he's indicated that he's probably going to sign it. Um, yeah. But it's it's still just like given the previous like budgets and the previous rollbacks, it's still like very strange to me. And and like I understand the populist argument perspective, but there it's it's just in that vein of like weird. <laughs> inconsistency with trump or nothing absolutely yeah. makes any sense i think mainly and, because like, this isn't going to cost his constituents any money really like it's not going to cost yeah. his like oil and gas lobbyist friends or like his offshore drilling friends it's not going to cost them any money whereas like the epa rollbacks and all the other shit he's been pulling are actively helping people and this isn't helping or hurting them but it is like yeah. getting sure, yeah. the american people really psyched so he's like yeah fuck it why not i bet they'll, like they'll yeah, use bet, this like, in their Somebody like they'll use this in their lobbying too, you know, like when they want to mine um in some BLM land or something like that, they'll be like, Well, look at how good the forests are doing because of that other thing, we can sacrifice bears ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, again, it's just like the thing where on the surface, it's it's obviously it doesn't go as far as we need, but it is a great step forward. It's weird that it's got so much bipartisan <laughs> fucking Mitch McConnell and Bernie Sanders I co-sponsored know. it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what they're weird. like. Did they have to interact in the preparation of this? Like, how weird. Well, uh, real shouts out to the environmental groups and activists that work to like put the skeleton of this bill together and even start pushing it through. Because I know this was a really grassroots bill. It didn't pop up organically through Congress. It um, came through activists. Mm-hmm. It's like over 900 different environmental agencies yeah. um, and groups banded together to to help build a skeleton out for this and then push it through i think there was a maybe we can look it up and and post it on social media but i think there was a dirtbag diaries episode about some of the the lobbyists that are environmental lobbyists that started this whole bill like they started working on this like eight years ago or something like that Mm -hmm. so don't don't pat the government on the back too hard for this one because it was people like you and me that put this together and yeah. made it made it happen. And it could have been a lot fucking more. It can always like, be more, right? Not to be like beggars can't be choosers, but it's like it could have been a lot fucking more. Yeah. There we go. You've successfully ruined this for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want you to get like too psyched and like yeah, I don't want you to get any faith in the government by thinking that they did you a favor. Yep. This is this is also an interesting thing because uh, once I started reading about this and started learning more about like the land and water conservation fund and like not a lot of people know about that like I'd really never heard of it before like I don't know how, how familiar you two are with this it's it's not like an agency or a program and it doesn't run under any department um, like the way the National Park Service or U.S. Forest Service run under different departments mm-hmm. um, this is just like a it's a federal program right and it just gets a bunch of funding which has never actually reached its maximum amount of funding so it's just a fund that gives money to other groups and departments um, and I was reading that it's just like every county in the United States has gotten some money from this fund at some point and the money comes from like offshore drilling. Yeah, that's and that's the main thing is that so the that's one of the things that is, is also beneficial to this is that it now is getting sort of congressional funding for to to uh, build up its uh, its funds, its reserves. But before this, um, it was mostly coming from fees and royalties from offshore oil drilling. Um, so and offshore oil and gas drilling. So that's where a lot of the money was coming from, um, which is because of so many different loopholes obviously it was never able to fill its coffers fully 
um, never actually able to make because there's it would if it was actually able to reg tax or impose those fees and royalties, it would pretty much every year be able to fulfill make those nine hundred million dollars. Um, but because again, because of all these like tax loopholes, it, it's never been able to reach that only twice. That's super interesting. And that's, um, like doing that the right way is actually kind of close to how Norway runs their economy with their oil. Yeah. Um, which like in a nutshell, they nationalize their oil industry. Um, all the profits from the oil goes back into a national endowment that the government doesn't actually run. It can't be touched. And then the interest from that endowment goes right back to the citizens to either fund projects or sometimes even paid as a dividend directly to citizens, um, yeah. which is awesome. And like, is a really cool model. And it means that they like never have funding shortages. And um, the way their endowment works is super cool too, because they're not allowed to invest it back into fossil fuel industry. Um which ensures that like if there's a dip in oil, which there just was a big one, the even though the oil industry that pays into the endowment suffers, the endowment itself doesn't actually suffer. It's a, it's a really cool model and definitely worth looking into it. There's some cool YouTube videos about it and stuff. So anyone that thinks that there's like, oh, $9.5 billion sounds like so much, Nadio. How are you saying that that's not enough? <laughs> There's like lots of really interesting ways to fund this stuff that would ensure that um, it would never run out of money. And that goes for all sorts of other things like healthcare and stuff too, but we're talking about the outdoors here. I also just looked this up because I remember this like trending a few years ago, but Trump defunded the Land and Water Conservation Fund in his 2020 budget. Like these are articles from March of 2019 um, that it's the same budget announcement that cut, cut funding for the Park Service, which happens every year. Um, but... Yeah, th this this is a um, post from Summit Daily, which I guess is Summit County, Colorado, from March 2019. But it says, despite overwhelming bipartisan support for the permanent reauthorization of the Land and Water Conservation Fund by Congress and signage into law as part of the massive blah, 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 Conservation Management Recreation Act, um, the president went on to nearly completely defund the program in his 2020 budget. <laughs> the land, the LWCF has helped fund outdoor and recreation projects in every county in the U.S. and it's funded mainly by offshore oil and gas leases. So I wonder, I wonder what is happening. It goes on to also say that um, Burton Hart was also uh, the one who proposed to eliminate funding for it. So once again, fuck Burton Hart. Well, that makes sense then. <laughs> that that fits in with Jose's point of what's fishy about this because it yeah. has to somehow benefit the oil guys. Yeah, there's there's no way that this is just like a yeah. altruistic thing, bipartisan thing. Like there has to be. That's something. why like, so now, all they the don't, celebration now they don't pay like, for this. Suspicious. Yeah. Thing. So this doesn't come out of their pocket anymore. It comes yeah. out of the taxpayer pocket. Cool. Yeah, I wonder what I wonder what that means to defund the. Um, well, it says his his twenty twenty budget proposal zeroed out funding for the land and water conservation fund. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean that all the fund they all the money they'd already gotten from those leases just like was absorbed, and then now they have nothing, and they're starting from zero? I would guess it just means that no more money is coming in. Because it, it's the budget, it's not like the balance. Right. So what you mentioned before that this money comes out of um, like the oil industry, basically like a tax levied on them to, yeah. to defund it means that like they're no longer paying into it. Now, you know, now us working folks yeah. are all paying into it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, on, it's something we've talked about before of like having taxpayer money go into actual a, a national parks fund or something like that. Um, 
and and actually being able to fund these things directly um i in an ideal world we would have both we would have regular congressional funding for something like the land water trust but uh, but we would still also have these fees and royalties required from the oil and gas companies especially if they're doing something as destructive as drilling offshore this kind of fits into my theory now that they're working on privatizing the national parks <laughs> because it would be I, I think people in general support stuff like um, these giant industries paying extra taxes so we can have things like the um, land and water conservation fund but to defund it and then replace it with this bill that gets a bunch of good publicity and then a few years down the line be like hey guess what I just saved you a ton of money on your tax bill by um, eliminating that this you know 9.5 billion dollars that we promised the national parks and now it's going to be yosemite exxon mobile national park <laughs> and they're going to put the bill for it we'll see because tax cuts are so popular so they could easily cut this you know five six years down the road and look like big heroes yeah well yeah. it is only funded for the next five years so right i guess it's just an attempt to do like a blitz of of improvement projects and then then they're going to look really good for a minute. And then, yeah, something will happen at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's is going to run Arches National Park in six years. Mark my words. <laughs> Golden Arches National Park. Exactly. They're going to have not given the Park Service all the money that they requested for backlog maintenance. and they're But they're still going to be like, we gave you $9 billion. And what do you mean there's still trails that look like shit? Like, see, you guys can't manage yourselves. We need to step in and get some sponsorships over here. All right, I think we've thoroughly ruined, ruined the Green Act. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I mean, I'm psyched well, about it. That was my well, good news. I think our best bet is, uh, this is so depressing that this is our best bet, um, elect better people into Congress <laughs> and hope that no. this gets like You're renewed. such a well-intentioned liberal, Jordan. The advice is uh, never to vote. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think I, I honestly think people like Mitch McConnell have like evil 10 year plans. So the best thing we can do is interrupt those plans. So the best thing we can do know, is tell hopefully any of Charles our listeners Booker from beats Kentucky him or to vote on Tuesday or tomorrow. For Charles Booker. They, they yes. won't know. They won't hear this. But... Yeah. I'm watching that election so close. Yeah. Which That's brings cool. us to Appalachia. Uh, Jose, yeah. you want to? Talk about bow, the next bow, point. Bow. <laughs> Banjo's playing. Uh, now yeah. the other bad news. Uh, <laughs> Supreme Court decisions. Supreme Court had a, a run of really high-profile decisions. This one kind of got under the radar a little bit, but it's a pretty important one. Um, they basically overturned a federal court um, decision before to allow a pipeline to be built that runs across uh, the AT, basically. Um, the, the, the case was... Um, it was kind of, it's more like on a technicality of whether or not the Forest Service had the right to um, allow the original gas and oil company to um, to run the pipeline through it. The federal court said that they didn't have that because it's technically the Appalachian Trail is kind of considered sort of a part of the national parks system under that management, which has different regulations required. But then the Supreme Court overturned that and saying that the Forest Service did allow them to have that permit to get that permit out. So now the pipeline can go through. It's not an oil pipeline. It's a natural gas pipeline. Um, so it's, it's not as like the Dakota pipeline situation. It is terrible because it obviously still is potentially be destructive. Um, it would actually run 
across the Appalachian Trail, but there actually are already a lot of pipelines that run across the AT. Like it's not, it wouldn't, it's not the only one. It's just, it's, this is one that would just happens to be in, um, I think it's in, in Virginia, North Carolina. The scary thing to me is the Supreme Court ruling that sets a precedent that this sort of thing's okay. Yeah. It's, it's the, this court has, has not done a lot of things based on, I, I mean, the court is never really supposed to do things on ideology. This one is more like the technical ruling, but basically they, what they're saying is that the forest service does have the right to um, give these permits out for, for these drillings, um, for these pipelines. Um, and because they, the whole eight, the whole argument for the AT was that, it it is it is in national parks which has different regulations which are of course being also stripped away so eventually it's not going to matter either way but in the meantime it it does have higher requirements it does have some kind of protections um but yeah like that's the thing is that it it becomes more of a logistical question a bureaucratic question of who has the right to give these permits out and obviously the oil and gas companies want to ensure that the agencies with the least amount of regulatory practices or or enforcement are the ones who actually have the rights to give these permits out yeah exactly and the forest service is always trying to like mine out all their resources to whoever will pay a good price for it so it doesn't surprise me that like the anger here should really lie with the forest service being willing to grant this lease for a pipeline um, but instead, it's kind of right now being directed towards the Supreme Court, who legally said, like, no, the Forest Service does own this land. Like, they are allowed to yeah. issue the pipeline, mm-hmm. um, which does sort of set an interesting precedent, because I've always sort of been confused about, like, the AT is a National Park Service site, but, like, they don't they don't own any of the land that it goes through, except when it goes through, like, Shenandoah and Great Smoky Mountains. So mm-hmm. they don't they don't really own, they don't really have any sort of right to the land. They have, like, a right of way, which is, like, the same thing that a park grants to like AT&T to run their cables through the park is like, you don't own, you don't own the cables. You don't own, or maybe you own the cables, but like you don't own the land. You don't even own like 10 inches on either side of the cables. Like you just have access to just this one area and only for this one purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think that's basically what the forest service granted. The park service is like, you have access to this trail that runs through our land, but ultimately it is the forest services land. Is yeah. is that true for all the National Scenic Trails? Um, I I don't know if they're all Park Service sites. Um, the AT and the PCT definitely are. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't even know if the CDT is yet. Okay. But like the Colorado Trail isn't, so I don't know. Um, okay, so National Scenic Trail isn't like a designation that automatic, uh, automatically puts you under the Park Service purview? No. Interesting. Yeah, yeah and... It's there's a lot of like different laws and issues with the regulations of these trails because of the a lot of them go through private land too, and which require like a lot of easements. Um, mm-hmm. And which I'm so the idea is that this trail is just basically like the small corridor of it, the strip of it might be under one management agency. Uh, and but depending on where it is, it might not have, I guess, the rights now to to regulate that, so which is very confusing. It's it's an issue that comes up all the time when a lot of these um, similar cases come up where just who has the regulation, who has the, the regulatory power or management of these different areas because of the way this country is built up with the, with the interior lands management, 
is so ridiculous and there's so many competing agencies and so many just like disjointed ones like the forest service is not actually under the department of interior it's actually under agriculture mm-hmm. and like that makes no sense like why are these different groups because they're here to sell land they're here something? to sell resources they're not there to like protect like the park services yeah like they they were they were founded for like selling off lumber for selling off the forests like not to protect them in perpetuity you know like we would protect our parks but more to like people were like oh my god there's this vast swath of resources and if we don't you know if we don't put them under our agency then we can't make any money off of them so we're going to like claim them as our own and then that way we can charge people but yeah i mean you talked about right, the private because at first the loggers were just coming in and just taking whatever they wanted basically yeah. right but now they have to pay the government to take whatever they want but yeah it's the same thing with like the i think the private landowners who have granted easements or right-of-ways to um the park service and the agencies they manage these trails like if it was a private landowner who wanted to run a pipeline through the trail like i think it's basically the same thing like that private landowner would be able to grant access to a pipeline um I think is what the what the Supreme Court ruling this week is basically establishing is that like the Park Service or the the agencies like the PCTA or ATC or whatever don't own or have any right to say what happens on this land on the trails. It it just belongs to the um the agency or the private entity that owns the land that it's on. Yep. And this pipeline is not going through as of yet because there are still three other issues. So there were four there were four issues, four obstacles that went up with this obstruction. The first one was the one that the Supreme Court ruled on of whether or not the Forest Service could actually give these permits out. Um, there's three or more other issues that are still uh, to be determined. So this, not, this doesn't mean that there's gonna be a pipeline that's gonna be going through the AT anytime soon, but it it, it is something that's very important to keep, in, to keep in mind and to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Quick shout out to uh, socialism and communism because <laughs> If we had a sane way of managing our national resources, our conversation right now wouldn't be, um, dang, they're selling off rights to these lands that's going to benefit us in no way and make rich people even richer. We would at least be having the conversation like, hey, our nationalized resource, we're, we get to have a debate between whether it's worth it for us to develop these resources and put that money back into the pockets of the people? Or do we want to maintain the scenic trail and have it kind of unadulterated and beautiful? (laughs) But right now it's like very clear. It's like, well, we're just choosing between keeping our scenic trail or being fucked by capitalists. And it makes it, (laughs) it makes it an easy decision to see which side we're on. But like, wouldn't it make so much sense and feel a lot better if at least like on the downside, we would get some benefit out of it or, and maybe it would get funneled back into maintaining the trail and would be a net positive for everybody. Yeah. That's, that's my Ted talk. Thanks for coming. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Now I'm depressed.